Support for this podcast comes from Smart Dreamers. Smart Dreamers helps your HR team to accelerate talent acquisition with unique end-to-end marketing automation software built specifically for recruitment. Companies from L'Oreal and UiPath to Temenos and Gempak use Smart Dreamers to automate their talent acquisition channels and processes. Their clients are powering talent acquisition at a fraction of the cost and generating employer brand gravity in the process. This means more, better candidates and lower cost per hire. No matter what recruitment software you're using, Smart Dreamers integrates with all of them, a perfect fit for your software ecosystem. If you want more, better candidates at a fraction of the cost, visit www.smartdreamers.com that's www.smartdreamers.com to learn more and schedule a demo. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 199 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Candidate experience is a topic we've visited time and time again on this show, mainly by looking at employers who are innovating in this area. It's clear, though, that delivering even an acceptable level of candidate experience is still problematic for most companies. So what's the current state of candidate experience and what can employers be doing to get competitive advantage? My guests this week are Martin Dangerfield and Neil Harrison, both of whom are well-known consultants in talent acquisition. They've recently collaborated on a piece of research that collected insights from a variety of employers about the state of their candidate experience, and I'm delighted they're here to share some of the results. Hi, Martin and Neil, and welcome to the podcast. Could we just start by you introducing yourselves and telling us what you do? Sure. It's Martin Dangerfield. How are you? I, um, I run a business called Dangerfield, cunningly enough, and we help people to hire better. We help people to look at how they hire, as in the process, the technology, the people involved. Uh, and we also provide uh, an embedded recruitment service, uh, for, mostly for technical businesses, but uh, more and more looking at other things as well. Um, my name is Neil Harrison. I support uh, Martin in terms of the the discovery, the insights around why candidates might join one organisation, why they might not join them, some of their perceptions, some of their feelings, largely in order to uh, we can influence the EVP and the employer brand that sits behind that. Great stuff. Well, brilliant to um, have you guys on the show, and uh, you know, welcome back, Neil, because uh, you were you were actually on a few a few weeks ago. Now, I know that you've recently collaborated on a piece of uh, research. Um, about candidate experience, um, how did the research come about, and uh, you know why? Why did you? What was the motivations for doing it? Yeah, I mean, fairly fundamental question. Um, I, I guess we perceived it was sort of a missing link. So there's an awful lot of very good, very comprehensive research and analysis around attraction, around employer branding, and, and absolutely quite rightly so. Um, increasingly, we see lots of work in terms of the employer employee experience. Again, that's massively important, leading on to engagement, retention. 
I think what's perhaps been ignored is just the importance of candid experience. Now, particularly when you've got the current labour market, and you know, we all know the statistics around that, it is the most competitive labour market probably ever recorded. So as a result of that, the pressure that employees should feel in terms of delivering a, an optimum um, candidate experience is absolutely right up there. We wanted to understand, I suppose, some of the pressures, some of the experiences that people on the talent acquisition uh, frontline were experiencing. Now, I know that you've sort of spoken um, in depth to a, a number of employers to get their sort of views and the, and the benefit of their experience in terms of what's going on here. Um, could you sort of run us a few through a few of the, the the names of the employers that you've spoken to? Yeah, sure. I mean, without going through a whole list of them, I guess, they, they were trying to get a spread of different types of organisation. So we've got people like Google, who obviously are globally known, have lots of different problems maybe to somebody um, such as St. Elizabeth's Hospice. Um, we also included some retailers in there, so um, Asda and Car joined us and I guess it was trying to capture the difference between you know hiring a highly skilled technician for Google on a global basis versus an hourly paid worker working for Asda somewhere um also trying to cover some of those sort of high tech high growth companies where maybe they've actually come into candidate experience for the first time they may have you know, had a model I'm thinking about something like ClearScore there where there are three three and a half four-year-old business um, and this is the first time they really sort of start to think about what does that journey look like how do candidates come into them and how do they experience that? Fantastic stuff. So um, I suppose the, an initial question for me is how are you how are you defining candidate experience you know, for, for this kind of piece of research? Where, where does it start? Where does it, where does it end? It's a really important point. Um, and I think a lot of people can misunderstand that fairly fundamentally or probably underestimate it. Um, for us, there's a real correlation with a candidate experience and, and your EVP. So it, it's ultimately where your employer brand, your employee pro value proposition are put to the test. So we've all spent a lot of time putting together marketing messages in order to attract candidates into that experience, into that candidate journey. But probably less so in terms of actually what sort of experience they do actually encounter once they uh, demonstrate an interest in the organisation. And that, for me, is becoming a real area of business advantage. So organisations that are investing in candidate insight, understanding what candidates are actually feeling about the experience they're going through. Is it good? Is it bad? Could it be improved? Could it be made slicker and, and more efficient? those organisations that rather take candidates for granted and probably think the candidate marketplace is as it was a decade ago when there's far more, if you like, power and control in, employer, in the hands of the employer. We've now got, I think Universal suggested that the, the, the employee-employer marketplace was 92% uh, weighted towards the employee. That's a tremendous amount of power. So organisations that are trying to recruit people in within such a candidate marketplace have to understand the nature of that and, and, and act accordingly. In terms of where it starts and, and, and where it stops, for me, as soon as a candidate expresses any kind of uh, interest in an organisation, whether it's landing on a um, uh, a career site or what have you but um and, and right through all the communications all the experiences all the encounters that that individual has as a potentially disinterested applicant through to a candidate and on through the onboarding process and actually once they join the organization i think that's terribly important as well um 
to not assuming once that individual is joined that that, that job is over. There's a super little stat from Career Builder actually that suggested something like um, 78% of candidates um, feel there's a direct correlation between the candidate experience they go through and ultimately what it would be like to working in that organization. So the candidate experience and the employee experience very closely correlated there. So if I go through that experience and you know what, I'm taking for granted a bit, I'm not feeling as if I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the love, I'm not feeling as if that organization is getting back to me as quickly as I want, I'm going to rather assume that that's going to be my experience thereafter. So there's a, the real feeling that uh, the candidate experience lasts for perhaps a lot longer than we might assume initially. So I suppose one of the most um, interesting questions for, for me when it comes to candidate experience is, is actually who owns it, you know, who controls it, who influences it. What, what did you find, um, you know, firstly with the employees that you, employers that you spoke to, but also, you know, from your own experience of, of, of working with, um, uh, you know, working with a selection of um, employers? Sure. I mean, it's that, as you say, it's the age-old question about who owns things. I mean, yeah, in a, in a broad, in broad sweeping statement, it's always talent acquisition. But more and more, I think organisations are, are changing their view. It is about the individual steps. You know, think about our life as a candidate. It's from first contact. It's that first phone call that we have. That's where our experience can often start or end. Um, it could be the time that we land on a website. It could be the information we found when we, when we got there. Um, it can be the application. It can be the interview. It can even be you know, it's the moment we walk into reception for the first time, we see something and hear something. So I think some of those organizations we spoke to have really got a handle on understanding that end-to-end absolute, this key, st- you know, key moments of truth where a candidate has a touch point, has an understanding, and uh, I guess an interaction with the brand. And I think it's probably those more sort of trendy, for want of a better word, brand-led organizations that, that get that concept. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the focus, though, was also on the hiring manager engagement. We think about it, again, as a candidate. We, we use talent acquisition as a sort of you know, the facilitator. Um, yes, they're, they're assessing us as we go along, but most of our time, I guess, our decision-making is based on talking to a hiring manager. So that experience has got to be really slick, um, both in terms of preparation for the meeting, meeting itself. And again, there's, yeah, there's a trillion horror stories out there about how awful this was and how awful that was. Um, but make it make it feel valuable and making that candidate feel valued. I, and I guess the other thing that came out of that was about being authentic in terms of there's no point in putting on a very whizzy candidate experience, a very candidate journey that's all, all singing or dancing. If that isn't who you are, if that's not how the organisation is, um, that when you turn up in reception, they're still not expecting you and don't know who you're going to be. Um, and, and, and yet it's this sort of, I guess, this jarring moment. So trying to be authentic is really important to that as well. Um, Another thing I guess has kicked in recently in our conversations was just really the use, in, use of Glassdoor. Yeah, more and more candidates are going to Glassdoor first and foremost. And again, that's where people are capturing those moments of truth of, you know, I met this manager. They'll often name the person they met. They ask me these questions. They'll say exactly the questions they'll met. Or, you know, I got to reception. They didn't know anything about me. Um, so more and more organizations probably need to try and connect those different pieces. Yes, talent acquisition definitely owned the process. And I think most people look at success coming from talent acquisition, but more and more, it's got to be about those those individuals within the organisation that are, are absolutely part of that end-to-end process and the end-to-end journey. I, I guess I, I have a, a sort of um, parallel view of that as well, coming out of the research. I think a key part of the experience that candidates take away from this journey 
is around the relationship between talent acquisition and the specific hiring manager. So for a lot of the talent acquisition professionals we spoke with, their relationship and their ability, frankly, to educate hiring managers about the competitiveness of the labour market, how tricky it is, what candidates are expecting, was absolutely critical. And actually, some people took the view that if they were seen to be having overall ownership, full stop of, of the candidate journey, that allowed some hiring managers, if you like, to dip in and out, to not sense any of that ownership themselves. It's quite an interesting story as well in that people drew a real contrast between working with hiring managers who themselves had joined the organisation fairly recently, so who'd been through that candidate mindset themselves and understood, if you like, some of the pressures, what they wanted to see, what they didn't want to see, and those individual hiring managers who'd perhaps been with the organisation for some time, turned native, if you like, and didn't understand what it was like to be a candidate in the current marketplace when people have got choice, people have got options. There's a real kind of different mindset there. So I think Martin's absolutely right. There's that sense of ownership. It has to come from talent acquisition, but not to the point where hiring managers don't have a, a fair amount of involvement and engagement with that process too. And what's the role of data in all this? How, how are people sort of measuring um, the effectiveness of their of their candidate experience? So no, lo and behold, you know, data is a fundamental part of, of candidate experience. As with all hiring, more and more and more, we're making data-led decisions. Organizations like Google are, are capturing and measuring every element. But actually, within candidate experience, it's quite difficult to measure every single interaction that we have. We tend to still focus on the, on the sort of the candidate flow of, a, of an ATS, you know, where people are in different stages, versus how did you feel when you walked in for, into reception for the first time? How did you feel when you met your manager for the first time? Yeah, what, was the, what was the quality of the feedback like? And so, definitely, organizations are trying to capture some of that. And I guess the more mature, organizations in terms of looking at candidate experience are gathering more data for those newer to it i think we're they're very much in a state of looking at the things that can be measured and trying to use a you know, stake in the ground to see what can be improved in, in certain aspects but i think more and more i guess the good news maybe is people are thinking slightly more holistically they're thinking that that broader sweep of what does it mean rather than just i've got an ats i'm measuring people to the next step in, in your white paper you talk about companies getting uh, competitive advantage through candidate experience. Where, where, where are the sort of key areas that um, that, 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 that that can happen? What, what are the key elements of a, of a of a fantastic candidate experience? I think the overall answer to that is frankly speed and efficiency. So, without making the process anything other than robust, the more time you can take out of the process the greater, I think, candidates will respond to that. And we're living in a time where people have huge demands and expectations around retail interactions. So if we order something on Amazon, we want it there and then, we want instant gratification. And there's kind of an increasingly similar sense of expectations about what we get from a candidate experience. Organisations don't really deliver to that, particularly when we're talking about um, Gen Z, uh, millennial audiences who've been brought up as digital natives. So anything other than that, and they start to question what it's like going to be like working for an organisation like that, which doesn't really get digital. What I found really, really interesting was that particularly those organisations that um, occupy very competitive labour markets. So we spoke, spoke with Clifford Chance, we spoke with uh, EY. Now, both those organisations have got very direct, very um, 
significant competitors for the sort of talent they're looking for. What really struck me was all those organizations are constantly reviewing and analyzing the candidate experience they deliver to people. So if effectively someone gets a little bit of march, someone gets some competitive advantage, tends not to last that long because people are analyzing that to death. And if they're not keeping up with that, or at least keeping up with that, if not taking a lead, then they're in real trouble because typically those individuals, those candidates, will be talking with each other. So if I'm going to E&Y, if I'm interviewing at PwC, the the, the, the great um, grapevine around that will be very active. So again, um, it can work in one of two ways in terms of delivering real business advantage. If you're ahead of the game, if you're delivering a service which is intuitive, which is value-adding. And I think that's the other thing that, that probably came through is that by the nature of recruitment, organizations will reject far more people than they will obviously accept. What people wanted to feel they were giving was a sense of value, a sense of um, value add about the whole process. So even though ultimately if they're, they're, they're saying thanks, but no thanks to some people, what they want to understand was the whole process that they've put people through, has that added, added to their knowledge, their insight about that marketplace, about that particular uh, uh, individual organization, so that ultimately they've got a better idea as to whether they want to continue their interest in that industry, or perhaps look elsewhere so that sense of um, of adding value to candidates came through loud and clear so um, I think it's different things for different people I think you know as Martin said at the top of this you know we're talking to we're talking to retailers we're talking to charities we've spoken to universities during this research as well as some absolute blue chip commercial organizations so Clearly, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There can never be. We're talking about entry-level uh, candidate audiences as well. We're talking about, as, as we suggested, retail audiences. So all all differ. I think the one thing that's come through really clearly is that the quicker you can respond in in, in, a, in, in an authentic way, and again, backing up what, what Martin's saying, the, the tone of voice, the language that you're using, the impression that you're giving to those candidates about the working reality of your organization, that has to be real. There's no point looking at your organization from overtly rose-tinted glasses because when those individuals walk into your organization for the first time, they're going to be unpleasantly surprised about what they come across. So, yeah, it's all about, for me, authenticity is absolutely critical as in terms of that candidate journey. So speed, efficiency, and authenticity. Final question. Where can people find out more about the research and download the white paper? Well, lo and behold, it's really easy. Just go to uh, dangerfieldglobal.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and there's a link on the footer there. But it obviously means you get to read all the wonderful things about Dangerfield as you go along. Martin and Neil, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. My thanks to Martin Dangerfield and Neil Harrison. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week. And I hope you'll join me.
is my show. 